Sad thing about it is that self-promotion has been done badly and done in an arrogant way. So we assume that it is arrogant. The task of self-promotion is not arrogant. Yeah. We need to get past that and we need to recognise that we can tell our own stories however we want to, but we don't have to be consumed by the thought that everyone's going to think, oh, we're obsessed with ourselves because it doesn't yeah. need to be that way. Hello and welcome back to the Making Same podcast. This podcast is a little bit different to my usual guests as it's not allergy related. However, it's someone who I'm super inspired by to have on the podcast as I'm joined by Steph Sword Williams, the author of Fuck Being Humble. It's all about the art of self-promotion, how to start taking charge of your own success. And I came across one of Steph's talks during the lockdown and it completely changed the way I kind of talk about myself and the work I do online. And I was super honored when Steph accepted to be on the podcast to share her story with me from starting a passion and now doing it as a full-time job and it was just great to hear about Steph's childhood and the career and how all these experiences have led to creating the platform Fuck Being Humble to help people know what they stand for, recognize their kind of self-worth and self-promote in an emotionally intelligent way. So enough of me talking, grab yourself a cup of tea, get yourself a biscuit. Let's get straight to the podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Making Zoom podcast. So I'm joined by Steph Sword Williams, the author of Fuck Being Humble. So yeah, so thank you for coming to the podcast today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's quite surreal because I remember I went to one of your talks on the dots and that was like the first time I got kind of introduced to Fuck Being Humble and kind of self-promotion not being like a dirty word. So yeah, so it's great to kind of find out a bit more about yourself. And I think with Fuck Being Humble, the first thing that comes to mind is like, was you always quite confident as a kid? I don't know when, when, when I think about like what fuck being humble is, I always think like someone who's like super confident. Um, can we talk a bit about like your childhood and, and kind of what was that like? Was, was you always confident as a kid or has that influenced kind of the work you do now? I mean, I always say I'd be lying if I didn't say I was very like confident as a child growing up for sure very chatty, always encouraged to like socialize. You know, my parents yeah. were like, never worried about me being shy in the slightest. And my dad's joked that I've been probably public speaking since I was about four, to be honest. So right. I definitely <laughs> think it was something that felt quite natural to me. But interestingly, the statement, fuck being humble, resonates most with those who are, are less confident yeah. because you're more likely if you're an extrovert to be telling people that you're good at what you do, right? So although it seems like the business should be ran by someone who's, you know, really confident and really bold and like, you know, someone who's going to maybe take over a room, actually the message is most resonant with people who are struggling to find that confidence and to find that self-belief or have sat on their self-worth and not communicated it enough. That's what I've noticed the most is that naturally it automatically resonates with people who are it's probably a little bit more outgoing, but I think it unlocks that self-belief that sort of people who identify as maybe introverts or shyer really need that sort of coming out of their shell. Have you always got that self-belief or is it something you got later on in your life or kind of grown up? Because some people have always got that kind of self-confidence, like this is who I am, this is what I'm going to achieve. How's that been for you? So self-belief, the meaning of self-belief is the ability that you can do something with or without the skills. And I think I have a mindset which is very determined. I'll always push myself to work really hard up. Providing I'm slightly good at it. Where's I that always... from though? Is that from like your, your parents? Because I find me personally, like my dad's work ethics and also my mum as well, but particularly my dad, like they've come from nothing and they've done really well. Yeah. And just seeing that worth ethics in the family and kind of seeing that firsthand has really rubbed off on me. Has that been the same for you with your family? Is there certain traits which you kind of picked up and kind of took forward? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, both my parents are super, uh, like, hardworking. They both didn't, you know, have loads growing up, but have done really well in their careers and have always encouraged us to do well. We always had a job, like, at 15. Oh, working. Really? You know, we were like, this, there was no, like, oh, here's all your pocket yeah, money. Yeah. It was always very, like... No, you go work, you graph sort of thing. And and the same, like I, my dad's like was talking about, we used to have revision timetables. And there's yeah. one memory where he'd made a timetable for me and like was like, you know, he wasn't pushy, but he just wanted to make sure that we allocated that time. Yeah. And I actually fell asleep on the dining room table oh. with my head <laughs> down at like eight o'clock because it's interesting, like my style of learning is definitely not, that revising, I'm yeah. much more of a creative person, which is why when I did like coursework, I very much excelled in that because I could do yeah, yeah. creative work where I was thinking about things in a long period of time instead of revising, yeah, which yeah. was a, an interesting learning for me as an individual because that shows what I do now and the way that I work now is very much think, kind of, yeah, influenced yeah. by longer term thinking rather than being put on the spot in that way. But in terms of, yeah, the sort of, inspiration of knowing to go down that path and my parents like they absolutely have always supported me my dad's sort of always worked in sales so naturally has been able to I'm sure you picked up on that I mean that must really always, help with public speaking now always. getting in front of a crowd of people and like yeah but he would also like take my CV and like you know I definitely have him to thank I, you know my mum was great as well but my dad was great at like I'm going to use the word embellishing okay. um, elements <laughs> on my CV. You know, he could make my Saturday job at office shoes yeah. sound like I was a shoe entrepreneur from oh, like really? 17, you know, like he was very good at showing me actually here are the things you need to pull out. And, yeah. and actually, I think that's a really big missing chunk in education around career. So I have a CV guide that you can download um, on the Fuck Being Humble website. And it's literally 15 pages, how to turn your work experience into business impact and value that they can. I remember going to your workshop as well and you're saying like everybody uses the same words like passion, yeah. hardworking, motivated yeah. and how you need to kind of change that as well because you want to stand out if 500 people are all applying for the same job. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's so easy to forget that. And I think it's so easy to just assume that people know what you've done and actually they don't if you're applying for a job yeah. via a cv it's so important to get all that valuable information on there and i definitely feel really grateful that i had the support from both parents on that in that respect that they definitely encouraged me to really think about the value i brought um even at you know student age yeah even at young age and it's funny i remember I kind of read that your boyfriend said on your tombstone, it'll say fucking relentless. I mean, where does that come from? Is Have you always had that kind of like fire in your stomach to just go go and get it? Like, It's interesting. Um, he actually hates me um, putting that out there because, <laughs> and I do it in uh, quite a few of my talks and it's in my book. He's like, I sound like an awful person. He says lots of great things. But I think um, it was definitely said in, in, jo in a joking way when he said it. But I think in terms of my tenacity and hard work, I've just always been somebody who does put in a lot of effort to things. And maybe there's an element of that I didn't always feel academic. So I felt like I needed to over deliver in yeah. certain areas. And actually what I realized was like academia wasn't my strength, to be honest, but people skills and project management and creativity, absolutely. So there's some of the areas that people don't put in 110% if yeah. they are clever in, in certain yeah industries and, and spaces. So I suppose that tenacity and that persistence and that continuous hard work in those spaces, 100% has meant 
I've excelled quickly in my career in almost every job I've been in. Yeah. I've progressed really quickly. And I think that just comes really naturally. And I care. Yeah. Like it sounds really cheesy, but like I've always cared about the work I do, the industries I yeah, work yeah. for, the companies I work for, which is why I'd always get so frustrated and upset when I wasn't rewarded. You get quite appropriately. personally attracted. Absolutely. Yeah, because when you put so much effort into it and you feel like you put your heart and soul into it and then you don't see results so you don't get what you want then it's quite disheartening in that sense yeah it is and that's partly where where fuck being humble the name yeah, yeah. came from because actually it was more about no fuck being humble i do deserve this and yeah, yeah. no fuck being humble i am gonna ask for this and yeah. actually it was that constant feeling of like feeling overlooked or undervalued in the workplace that yeah. that absolutely led me to that title and and into the work that i'm doing now yeah it was really interesting in your book you kind of spoke about mentors and I think for me, like it was, it wasn't until college that I actually had a mentor or a tutor who like really believed in me, and I never really had that through school. And it was really hard for me because I felt going through school like I wasn't good or I wasn't gonna achieve or go far in life. Um, and it wasn't until this kind of tutor at college, which had a massive influence on me, to say, "No, you can do this," or and he kind of gave me that confidence. Have you had like mentors in your life which have had a massive influence on your life? Yeah, I always joke that the mentors I've had aren't really uh, like specific mentors. Like yeah. we've not sat down and said you're a mentor. So my dad and my stepdad uh, have very, very close relationships with. They're both like, you know, work in non-creative industries, but like love The Apprentice and Dragon's Den. And yeah, like yeah. we always used to like spitball ideas and like very much like yeah. that. So I would say they were definitely really influential and in, like encouraging that notion of just coming up with ideas even if it was for nothing and yeah. like like just being silly and just like always like being no playful. idea is a bad idea as well absolutely and I think someone has someone's always got all these ideas but then it's like taking action on that as well but i think like i get ideas and i'm like oh no it's stupid it's probably not if <laughs> like you not. put it out into the world like, yeah. and particularly in the creative industry you have to come up with so much ideas anyway yeah, so yeah. you're better off just sharing them and then cat towers shout out to her um she was my boss it when I worked at ad agency in Manchester and she was just just always super empowering like she was really like would never take credit she'd just be like oh no it wasn't me it was Steph like you know like just Amazing. at a very early and I was only like a senior account exec which was like the second you know like step up in the ad industry yeah. on at my level of what I was working on and she was just always so uh yeah like empowering encouraging she would always just give me the spotlight where credit was due, but also like create opportunities for me. And, you know, she was like, Steph has to come on this TV ad to LA, which arguably maybe yeah. I didn't, you know, like she really wanted to help me. And, and we're, st we're still really good friends now, um, even though she's still in Manchester, I'm in London. So yeah. I think that's a testament. But I, to, to this day, we'll have like a text like a two hour texting and we'll be messaging and she's like, you could do this or you could yeah. do that. And there was a specific moment on the train, we were going for a meeting together and she said to me, you, we were on a train to London. I was like, I just feel frustrated. I feel trapped in the team, blah, blah, blah. She was like, you don't have to do every idea within the company. She's like, if you want to, she'd come up with this great idea where she'd got tickets for wrestling because she loved wrestling, yeah, really yeah. random. That's and mad. she'd pitch some ideas of how they could launch in Manchester or something. And she got front row seats. And she was like, they didn't take my ideas, but I've got a connection with the, that organization now. And she was just like, you know, just because you're an account manager for everyone listening, project manager, or, you know, working more in the management of people doesn't mean that you can't still have your own ideas. And obviously, you know, Foot Being Humble wasn't born until another three years later. But I think that permission to 
always be a creator and to not feel limited by the title you're in or the environment you were in really, really has like been influential on my journey. So you're not kind of like boxed in or refined, like you can only do this kind of thing. It's quite, it's quite interesting when you talk about that in empowerment and like giving other people the praise. It's quite interesting. Is it like one of the junior account, I think she's account Z now, but Katie and my team, like she's only young, but I, I can see her go really far because she always gives the credit to other people like all the time. And, and for me, I, I kind of notice that as well. And I think like, it's great when you kind of, because I, I always think like some people are out for themselves. I mean, a lot of people, but like, it's nice to get that kind of credit back as well. Like. It is. And I don't think we can overlook that everyone's out for themselves. Like yeah, everyone yeah. is like, let's not, yeah, let's yeah. not lie about <laughs> it. Like, like everyone yeah, is, yeah. it would be nice. There is definitely a me generation going on as opposed to a we, which I think yeah. we're trying to move more back to community, giving, sharing, yeah, yeah. particularly when things like, you know, the pandemic happened. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to mention it on the podcast, but I do think ultimately we are all driven by our own personal goals. Yeah. And that's, that is important to know, particularly in your career, because it comes down to you needing to ensure that you get what you want, yeah. not assuming that people will just give you credit. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's an amazing leadership skill when people can look at other people and go, oh my God, they killed it. Or if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be, yeah. you know, we wouldn't have landed the project. I think that's amazing. And it's a really, really impressive skill to have. But I also think um, it's one of those things where there's, I wrote about in the book called the mama bear effect, where women in particular prefer to be a mama bear and support and celebrate other people than they do themselves. Okay. Which then creates a cycle of not ever celebrating themselves, not accepting praise, and ultimately widens the gender pay gap and all of those things. Do you think it's things. harder now in regards to, in regards to a lot of people now are working from home, how do you still get yourself in front of your boss to be like, look, this is the work I've been doing? Because I think a lot of the minute it is like Google Chats. Yeah. Yeah, I know it is. It and I get a lot harder in that way. For sure. Ways. So I so a lot of my business is corporate talks to businesses. So I deliver workshops where I come in and I can talk about how to self-promote work, how to build more confidence, how to use emotional intelligence in the workplace, like lots of different topics. Yeah. And one of the top questions that comes up is how do I show the work I'm doing when I'm working remotely? And it's a really, really important question to have. And for me, I always say to people, it's like, you need to understand how best to update the people around yeah. you. So yeah, of course, if you're always in the Slack channel being like, smashed it again, I did yeah, this, yeah. I did this, it's gonna be annoying. But if you can speak to your your manager or whoever it is that you want to share the, the impact that you're having with, yeah. you can sort of say to them, look, I'd love to keep you updated on my progress because we're, you know, I'm working remotely and I just want to ensure that you know what I'm doing and yeah. vice versa, you don't have to chase me. And just sort of say like, would you prefer a phone call once a week? Would you rather it in a weekly email? Like how's best? I just want to make sure. I think I'm really bad at that. Yeah. I, I think I'm really bad at just like being like, oh, like this piece of content has done really well. Like I've done- But you're edit, busy yeah. doing your job, right? Yeah, like that's the thing. Hard, it, yeah. And that's so Dory Clark is an entrepreneur and she talks about, she's got a great book, book called Entrepreneurial You. And she talks about this heads, heads down and needing to have a heads up. So very often in the workplace, we have heads down, which is just focusing on, I'm gonna do my job. Yeah. But if we don't bring our heads up and go, by the way, I did this, yeah. or by the, like, look at the strategic side of things, how do I need to position myself? What meetings do I need to speak up in? Then we're really gonna struggle to, to demonstrate that yeah. value. So I think it is difficult, but it doesn't have to be awkward and it doesn't have to be arrogant and doesn't have to be self-indulgent. It could literally just be that. I think that's the first one that comes that. to mind is like, when you've done that a good piece of work, like it feels like, oh, 
are people going to think I'm bragging? But like the whole point of the book is like, you have to like put yourself out there in terms of like, so people aware about the, the work you're doing. Like. But also we need to break down what the meanings are, right? So self-promotion, self means I, and promotion is just an activity that supports an aim or a goal. As simple as that, yeah. It's not, it doesn't, the sad thing about it is that self-promotion has been done badly and done in an arrogant way. So yeah. we assume that it is arrogant. The task of self-promotion is not arrogant. Yeah. We need to get past that and we need to recognize that we can tell our own stories however we want to, but we don't have to be consumed by the thought that everyone's going to think, oh, we're obsessed with ourselves because it doesn't yeah, need yeah. to be that way. And I really want to kind of talk about, obviously you worked in advertising and obviously you worked with brands and kind of working on their storytelling. So that's obviously had like a kind of massive influence now with the work you're doing. How was like working in advertising for you? Was that a really good opportunity to kind of learn about obviously how brands kind of tell these stories? It absolutely was. I think one of the things that I realized was at university, I knew I wanted to go into advertising. I did a course for fashion communication promotion. It wasn't really fashion. It was just a bunch of fashionable yeah, yeah. girls. And I decided to specialize more on the advertising marketing route. And I started to write a blog, which was awful. And it's hidden in the depths of the internet now. I find it now. No, <laughs> no one can find it. But what I realized was all the advertising that I wrote about, I gravitated toward purpose-led content. So it was always things about like charities were doing or yeah. things that were going to have a positive impact. So I went into the job, which is quite un unusual at that age, at 21, to know exactly the type of advertising and work that I wanted to do. And I felt like every job I went to, and you'll know this work yeah, in yeah. advertising, it's really hard to do purposeful work in advertising yeah, because yeah. out of the 20 briefs you get in a company, there's maybe one yeah. and that one gets limited resources or it doesn't have a lot of budget or yeah, it doesn't get respect. Small budget, yeah. It's like I you know. think you're going to get the option, but you don't. And there's few agencies in the world that specifically focus on doing good. And that's fine. Like, I understand that. Yeah. But I think with that meant I always felt like I was chasing something that wasn't there. Yeah. And I moved jobs quite regularly. So I moved jobs six times in seven years which I don't think is a bad thing by the way I think it's important to keep moving until you find your right space but it was really it really highlighted to me that unless I did something by myself I was never going to get that creative control yeah, that yeah. creative freedom and really the opportunity to write my own briefs and I think that's the luxury and the most enjoyment I get right now is just did getting you have this burning do... desire then so you use working I actually didn't no, I didn't. didn't no. no, I never thought, never in a million years did I think I'd run my own business. No way. No. So it wasn't like some. Uh, I, to yeah. be really honest, when I moved to London, I was quite lonely. I think a lot of yeah. people are when they move, particularly from the north. You're kind of used to everyone yeah, being bubbly yeah, and yeah, chatty, yeah. and it's not like that. And I really wanted to immerse myself into the creative industry in London, but I had no contacts. I worked in a two-person startup. Yeah. I only had two colleagues. I had a handful of uni mates, but they were all with their boyfriends, you yeah. know, all of that. And so I just felt like I want to meet people. And so I started Fuck Being Humble for a load of reasons, but a big part of it was to connect with yeah. amazing creatives and like-minded people. And I'm so grateful that now I've got an incredible network of people that I could call up and will help me tomorrow in a heartbeat um, from putting in that work. But definitely no burning desire. And even whilst I ran Fuck Being Humble as a side hustle for two years, yeah. I still, everybody's like, when are you going to quit your job and, and run Fuck Being Humble? I was like, I'm not. Like, I, I love my job in advertising. And I did. But it just got to the point when the yeah. book was coming out and I just knew my boss wasn't going like, to let me take time off for book tours and all of that. Yeah. So it was kind of now or never to now go Now or never. It. I was going to really ask you what was that kind of transition between kind of 
coming up with fuck being humble, doing it on the side. When was that moment where you was like, I can do this full time? Was it, was it, I know you mentioned the book, but then did you have all the talks planned? And cause I always think like financially, like as soon as you do something yourself, then you need to make sure that you've got enough money coming in each month to live on. Was it quite hard then making that transition from full time job to running it full time? Well, it was because it was two weeks before the pandemic hit. So oh, okay, yeah. not my best timing, yeah. but you know, all things happen for a reason. So for me, like I say, my sole purpose was to create community events and basically make networking not shit. Yeah. So all my mates were like, I'd never go networking. I hate networking. It's not for me. Yeah, and I'd be like, oh, and it used to really frustrate yeah. me because I used to think you've not experienced networking. You've not been in the right space yeah. or whatever. So my main goal was to run cool, creative events in East London build up a good community, meet people. I, I was always the lead act. I always make the joke. Like I yeah. wanted to be a public speaker. So I made my own stage. I spoke, I delivered the workshop. And I also hosted panels with like really inspiring people. And they were amazing to help sort of attract new people, yeah. but also sharing their journey. And so at that stage, no, I didn't, I didn't see revenue yeah. opportunity. I didn't see how I could leave my full-time job to which I was a business director at this point. Yeah. So I wasn't necessarily, I was on a good salary. I was, you know, like it would be a lot for me to walk away from yeah. that. Um, I got the book deal. I wrote the book in eight months whilst working full-time. So it's very intense. And how did you get the book deal? Was that? They came to me. I was super lucky. Oh, right. I, so I feel your channel then. So I wrote an article on LinkedIn called "Why I Launched a Self Promotion Platform Called Fuck Being Humble." It went viral, didn't it? S little little viral, yeah. like not not major. We're talking like I think it got like five hundred likes, sort of thing. But it was quite yeah. like back then. I feel like that happens a lot more now. But but it was getting shared. Like people in Amsterdam were messaging me. People in the US were messaging me. Um, someone from the White House asked me if I'd come do a tour. It was like oh it was God. super surreal. Just and um, <laughs> no, well, so it was, it's, they actually end up leaving and it was all a bit, but I was featured on BBC World News, like, like within a week of that article going live. So it was all very like, crazy, yeah. all before I'd even run an event. Um, so I know I'm super like lucky and that, that doesn't happen for everyone. And I know it's really important to talk about like survivorship bias, which is this idea that we only ever look at the 0.1% yeah. that survive and we don't consider all the other people working really hard. So I, I know that was a strike of luck at that point, 100%. Podcast is sponsored by Food Llama. So I do my food shopping online on Asda and it's like a Google Chrome extension. So you download it to Google Chrome and all the products either have a tick or cross against it. So if it's got a cross, you click on the cross. It'll tell you why you can't have it. So it might say it's got may contain nuts or it might even say it contains nuts. At the minute, it's only working on Asda, but I know they are looking at rolling it out to other supermarkets very soon. But yeah, if you want to check out Food Llama and you do your grocery shopping online, check it out at heyfoodlama.com. I'll also leave a link in my podcast description as well if you want to check it. Everyone needs that bit of look sometimes. We do, every, and, and I think everyone will get yeah. get it at some some sort of time and stage in life, and it's important to hold on for that. But that was all super organic. And then I had about three or four publishers and agents call me like, "You should write a book just from the title." hadn't uh, They had no they had no other information about me. And I literally laughed and said, thanks, but no thanks. And yeah, I hung yeah. up. I was like, I'm not a writer. Like, so you've got experience in writing a book. No, I was it. like, I did this to speak. I want to be a public speaker. I didn't do this to write. Yeah. 
Um, but it was when I started running the events and I started to see the impact it was having. And I started, the first event had 30 people come, the second event had 40 people. And then the third event, which was about four months later, had 180 people, oh all organic, no paid advertising, nothing. Like people Just were word coming, of mouth, yeah, word yeah. of mouth. And I was like, hold on. That's like the best advertising as well. Because like, you're not paying people to be there, P people coming, because actually what I learned. Like, yeah. Something was happening. And at that point, and, and particularly as well, being from the North, like I was always really conscious that it was great that I was serving the London community. But I thought, you know, it'd be great also to like, to apply all the things I'm going to be talking about into a book so that anyone in the world can read it and yeah, anybody can absolutely. access it. And also from a price point perspective, I've always been really mindful of like, my tickets have only ever been 10 to 15 pounds yeah. or, you know, the book is 12 pounds or yeah. uh, slightly cheaper now actually, I think. But, you know, all of that advice in one book for that anybody can purchase was was a really big thing for me that actually I want everything that I share to be as accessible as yeah. possible. So yeah, it was a total whirlwind experience, not at all what I thought, but in terms of making that leap, it was just timing this. Like I said, I'd been asked to give talks in Copenhagen, Australia, New York, because the book was coming out, it was building up momentum. Yeah. I'd already been getting some clients, like Unilever was one of my first clients. I worked with the Dots and Google. Like I was getting all of these great opportunities without even trying. Like, I was going to say, come, was them opportunities coming to you then? Or, they were coming yeah. to me. So I was obviously quite, I've always spoke about, yeah. if you go back to my earliest post, I've always talked about the growth foot being humble on LinkedIn. And I still to this day think it's a, a really great channel to promote on and because ultimately it's where people self-promote the most and it's expected. It's a channel I, I've never touched. Creators hate yeah. it and I've said to, I've talked to my friends about it, I said it is waiting to be, LinkedIn is waiting to be disrupted by creative people because it's got such a formulaic approach. Yeah. The content's very similar. If you wanted to stand out, you could easily stand out but because it's not that cool and maybe the user yeah. face could be slightly more refreshed, people kind of dodge it but I would say a lot of my That's leads really and a lot of the work that I do comes off the back of my content. I think content. LinkedIn's quite good for organic reach as well, I've yeah. heard. And I know that LinkedIn, out of all the platforms, they're the ones like, I'm not really pushing video as much as like TikTok or Instagram sure. Reels. But yeah, it'd be really interesting to see if they do kind of start pushing the video content, well, whether creators kind of go on there. I, th I think they are. And again, but it's to that whole disruptive thing, isn't it? So when I post a reel on LinkedIn, it gets loads of engagement because people don't post it. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like looking at the content you're already creating and, and resharing yeah. it. But the thing about LinkedIn is you're tapping into other people's networks, right? So yeah. if you like an image on Instagram, I don't know. Unless you share it yeah, to yeah. your story, I don't know. If you like something on LinkedIn, that notifies all of your your network yeah, right yeah. so you're tapping into other people's networks and i've i really have seen amazing results so yeah, yeah. anyone listening invest in linkedin can we talk about the struggle of imposter syndrome it's something i even now like talking to yourself or even i like feel it i'm like am i good enough to ask these questions uh people are gonna relate with me like me i don't know like, i think you always like question yourself and it, it's something i might know like you'd be confident i remember listening to a podcast and the woman was saying like, just go in front of the mirror and just say like, you're the shit or something and then go out and then she does all these amazing public speakers. But that kind of frame of mind, is it something you've had to like deal with as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, writing my book was for sure yeah. the scary, there is nothing more public than writing a book and it being out in Put the it world out there and, and it never it. being yeah. able to be deleted and you can't yeah. take down anything you ever said. So the thing that has helped me with imposter syndrome, and I share this a lot is, if one person benefits from what you're doing, doesn't matter, yeah. doesn't matter, right? So I once heard someone say on a podcast that what's more important, your ego or impacting people? 
And I really hold on to that. And I've always been someone that is like, if the work I do or the things I say or the tiniest bit of one insight that I share can help someone leave a toxic work environment or start their own business or start a podcast or whatever it may be, then like, gosh, You've I'm just not that important, yeah. you know? Like my ego is not that important. And, and sure, it's not that easy in the moment. Yeah. But I think ultimately... Providing you're being a nice person and providing you are adding value. or I can see where, you know, if you're like an influencer that travels the world and posts photo photos of you like in amazing outfits and all of that, yeah. then yeah, of course, like that can be quite difficult for people to take if they're not yeah. in the same situation and stuff. But providing you're sharing work that has either had a good impact or could inspire someone or do something. And I think one of the things that's really helped me with imposter syndrome has been looking at how I could be a role model for other people. Because I don't think we do that. I don't think we see the fact that if I share this piece of work on LinkedIn yeah. as a young Northern woman from Leeds, yeah. the, the impact that could have from other young Northern... So somebody... you want to see people like yourself, like, and you kind of resonate with the content then, like you said, oh, like you're from Leeds. Like, yeah, for really sure. successful. Like, yeah, so. so I had a dad get in touch to say, my daughter has you on her vision board. Wow. Um, and Amazing. she absolutely loves you. Like, would it be possible to book some sessions, some mental sessions and like get the book and all that? And I was like, absolutely. And that honestly, I like pretty much cried on the spot because <laughs> that for me is just like highlighting the impact that, that yeah. can be had. And she is in the North, you know, she's yeah. like, it was around Stoke or something. You know, and, and I have a lot of phone calls with people and they're like, oh, you know, I, I just thought that if you, you know, you had to be in London and, or you have to be in a big city and I'm not in a big city, but reading your book or listening to your content just shows me that I can. And I, I think for me, like, I'd much rather be, share something knowing that I could be a role model than share something thinking, oh, everyone's going to hate me. Because what life do you we live? You don't you even know? like, sometimes you don't even realise the impact it does on other yeah. people. Like, even with like my algae blog at the minute, like, it's crazy, like, the messages you get. And I imagine it's the same, obviously, with with the book and really helping people kind of find themselves or find their way. And, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Someone I, I met at an event last week came to my session and she said, you know, having come to your workshops and read your book, I had the courage to leave a toxic work situation and I realized how amazing I am. And I wouldn't have done that without you. And she started crying. And I was just like, oh gosh, I'm not stable yeah. for this. And she told me she'd bought the book for 15 people. And that for me is like amazing. just amazing, yeah. right? And I just think like, you know, of course there's days where I'm like, oh, can I do this? Who am I? Should yeah. I share this? Should I not? There's people that are more qualified than me. But I always say to people like, sure, there are people more qualified than you. Absolutely. But you're being given the opportunity. Yeah. So why would you unpick this for yourself? Like, what is, what do you gain from this? Like, just be in that space and be like, be, amazing. Be I got yourself this. as well. I think that's so important. Yeah. I remember when I started the podcast or even like the, the Instagram or oh, someone once said, oh, like, well, you're not the biggest person out here. And uh, like... No, of course you're not. You're not trying to be either. I'm not though. trying to That's be the like thing. the next like Gemma yeah. Collins. And, um, but Gemma. then it, it kind of like knocked my confidence a bit. And I was like, yeah. I don't know. Like, and it, like, it shouldn't have. And it obviously hasn't affected me now. Like, I'm, I'm doing this. But like, yeah, it just makes you like... I get trolled all the time. Yeah. On LinkedIn. Yeah. I had this woman comment on one of my posts saying, wow, I wish I was as narcissistic, self-centered and absorbed in myself as you are. I was promoting an event on yeah. career changes. 
and trying to help people as well. Like, I had a it's guy, just jealousy as yeah. well. Yeah. I had another guy from America message me just before my book was coming out. Like, I think I get what you're doing, but I have to let you know you've chosen the worst brand name I've ever seen. And I hope people don't fall for your poison. <laughs> it's like, so it's just... deep. But it's so annoying. Like, you can get all these positive messages. And as a human, you always dig out. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You always dig out like 100%. the negative and then you cling on to that, which 100%. is which is annoying. Because I was going to ask in regard to like kind of people in these like toxic kind of work environments. Um, what advice would you give to someone in terms of like finding that kind of self-belief to get out of it and know your self-worth? So this is something that I experienced. The very first job I had in the creative industry, it was awful. It was really awful. I worked in a five-person business and the boss was just the most toxic person you've ever met, um, screamed at everyone, told us we weren't worth, we, we shouldn't breathe the air he breathed. Like what? it was like oh horrendous yeah. stuff. I remember going to a meeting once where he was just screaming at me the whole way through in the car and it was a tiny sports car and he was driving 100 miles per hour and I genuinely felt like unsafe. Like I felt unsafe yeah. in this space. And it was a weird relationship where he almost treated me like his protege and he wanted me to be his mini me. Yeah. But the minute I did something good, he would like tear me down. It was it was awful. Yeah, weird, yeah. And I was crying every week and like I'm very emotionally attached to my work, but I really noticed that the stress that I was under. And even now when I, I'm not stressed anymore. And I really noticed yeah. that that working full time when you're working for other people is really difficult sometimes. And you do find yourself in these toxic environments. So a few things I'd say is first of all, have a notepad, write it down, write everything down. Like honestly, how what happened, how it made you feel, what, what came off the back of it and just keep documenting it and keep documenting it and just get to a point where you review it and go, is it you or is it them? Yeah. Because it's very hard when you're in the emotional state to decipher whether you were being irrational or they were being mean and all of those yeah. things. But if you keep documenting, keep a track of maybe like four to six weeks, how regularly is it happening? Is it yeah. mainly you that's getting the the heat of it? Like, are th is anybody there to support you? Are there any forms of solutions or is there not? We didn't have a HR department. There was no one I could that's go to. Because my girlfriend, like she, in her last job, they didn't have a HR department. No. Even the job in me now doesn't have a HR department. And... Yeah, it's crazy to think like some of these like pretty big agencies, like it's such an important, and my girlfriend said, next job, that's the first question I'm asking, have they got a HR, HR department? department yeah. Cause it's such an important to feel safe or feel like you can be yourself in the office. I think also set timelines for yourself because the worst thing, and I speak to a lot of people about this is looking back and going, gosh, I wasted seven years there, you know? Yeah. So really like give yourself a like, if this doesn't change in six months, I have to start looking. Yeah, yeah. It may not look, we've got a strange job climate at the moment, it's up and it's down. So yeah. it may not be that you'll get something straight away, but at least you'll be putting something into motion to feel like you're taking control. And the really important thing and the thing that I was grateful that I did move quickly so I it was my first job as a graduate and I only stuck it out for 11 months and and you know this is not to my parents discredit but they were very much of the mind of like you need to stick it out it's oh your first God. job I've been in that situation and like and yeah. still to this day like people are like that and I don't you know it wasn't I'm glad that they you know they were trying to I understand why but I remember getting it to the point where it was too much and it was my mum who was like this is not worth it anymore she's like I would rather like send you money and that was not like something she would yeah. usually do to ensure that your like mental health is okay um and I think interestingly 
well, first of all, when I handed in my notice, I got three other job offers as a graduate with 11 months experience. Amazing. So for anybody listening that feels like they won't be able to get something, please just give yourself the chance. At least see what's out there. If You know, if you have to stick out, fine, but see what else is out there because you don't yeah. know. And I think the other thing was like, it was it was at the risk of eroding all of my confidence. So you asked me earlier, like, have I always been confident? I think during that stint, I could have lost a lot of my self-worth and I was losing yeah. it. And I'm really glad that I took myself out of that to ensure. And the benefit of it in a weird twisted way of events is that I now have never ever experienced anything as bad as that. I had a thick skin for when things did happen. Yeah. I was like water off a duck's back. You're nothing like the last nothing boss I've had. To, yeah. And I have had some not so great people to yeah. work with. And I think that resilience very early on in my career is actually why I progressed quickly because I could put in the hours and feel less affected yeah. by some of the comments that were made or I knew how to work with difficult people very early on. Yeah. So, you know, it's it was not an experience I'd wish on anyone, but I think it's definitely built my character now. And, and I think it helped me to see my self-worth should never be compromised by someone else. And if I want something, I need to go get it and I will not leave it in the hands of other people. That's so important. I think in my last job, I, I didn't get on with my manager. We didn't say eye to eye. And he always felt like he's constantly trying to put me in this little box. Yeah. And, um, I remember one meeting, he like shouted at me. He was like, next time you got an idea, like you put it through me, you don't put it through someone else. And it really got my like back up. And um, I think after that, I think, but at the time that pushed me to do more than make contain stuff. So even though I wasn't feeling like fulfilled in my job, I had May Contain, I had that like kind of community aspect, so which I didn't have before. So, but yeah, it's I think, important. Yeah. I think weirdly these events that we experience do, and I, I worked for a company where I was really anticipating some level of a reward. It wasn't a huge promotion or pay rise, but just something to say like, we're grateful of what you've done. And there was nothing, like not even like, yeah. here's, here's a like, 50 pound massage voucher or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was really upset about it. And I remember talking to my sister about it and she was like, you've got to stop giving it that 150%. Like if they're not rewarding you in the same way, then yeah. why you stop working on weekends, stop working through your lunch break, finish on time. Yeah. And actually it was from that, that I was like, oh, what do I do on my weekends? What do I do in my spare time? And oh, that's where like working all and that's time, where yeah. foot being humble really yeah. flourished because actually to your point, yeah. you invest in the things that you really care about and the things that you have slightly more creative freedom over, yeah. right? How's lockdown been for you? Because I think it gave, I wanted to kind of touch upon this a little bit because I know it gave people time to kind of reflect on kind of the life or maybe the job. Did it give you time to reflect on kind of foot being humble and, and where you kind of want to take it over the next couple of years? Yeah, so... Ahead of the pandemic, I'd made the decision to quit my job. I'd lined up six months worth of business. I did everything by the book. And then literally overnight, everything went. Um, you know, HR and development budgets got cut straight away. So I then had to turn to the community that I'd grown and, and sort of really look to them to purchase products and yeah. sell my courses to. So I think at the first half of it, the first year, it was really just, I've got to pay the bills. I've yeah. got to find ways to you know, help the communities, help people get by all of these things. I think the second half has been a lot more, well, it has, it's been a lot better. I've done a lot more brand partnerships, working with brands like Puma and Adidas, yeah, um, website, yeah. Estee Lauder, lots of different brands. So that's really interesting. And I'm now actually working. So I have sort of multiple streams. I have business, business to community, so business to customer, events, yeah. those sorts of things, B2B, corporate talks, 
B2P, which brand partnerships, I'd say, which is essentially me delivering, allowing access to my audience or sharing insights. And more recently, I'm working with brands on sort of consulting on particularly what women are looking for in the confidence space. So I'm yeah. working with quite a big beauty brand at the moment, guiding them on their brand purpose, which again is strange because I'm doing full circle back to advertising. But I think it plays back into what I want is that for the past four years, I've been growing for being humble. I know the insights on the ground. I have a monthly female founders club where women tell me their struggles. Like I know these insights and I hear them. So now I can consult brands and say, Look, this is where you can Stop. tap into. Yeah. This is what people need. So it's actually really nice to go back to what I originally wanted to do, which was purpose-led communications yeah. and advising brands. But the important thing for me is I've always been, I think I am more of a consultant. I've yeah. got down, I've done all the hard yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've delivered just 700 pieces of content. Yeah, I've yeah. been on 24 hour call of that. And I no longer want that. You know, I, I want to be able to work, do a workshop for the day and then walk back out and that's our relationship. Yeah. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. that, that for me is where I, you know, manage my own stress, my mental health. Yeah. And I think absolutely during lockdown, there were parts where I was like, have I made the right decision? But really my stress levels, my happiness, my contentment, I feel a lot calmer not being in. It must be in nice. You must feel more fulfilled now than ever. Obviously, kind of, and it's amazing to see that you've kind of took this passion and made it like a full-time career. Like, I mean, that's it's amazing, really, how you've kind of managed that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I remember. I, I think probably from the age, as soon as I learned about TED Talks when I was about sixteen, I said I'd love to be a TED speaker. I'd, I'd love to get paid to speak. Like that yeah. would be amazing. And classically, I just think with all of those things, you get kind of get told like, oh yeah, but what would you speak about? And it just gets yeah. like immediately kicked out as an idea but yeah to 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 get to do that and to see the impact Have you done a TED I'm talk? having yeah I did a yeah. TEDx talk was it was it online yeah I hate oh, yeah. it though I really don't oh, like right. it I'll yeah come. I remember reading some of that I wrote you... an article about it yeah, yeah how come like you basically it was around the time I was launching my book I'd come off the back of two years of the pandemic like burnt out really bad I hate pre-recording content I get a real fear about it. it's probably yeah. one of my biggest I always get like a red rash like, I used to do that when I come on podcasts I use like I every podcast like so I'm having an allergic reaction everyone's like you okay I'm like, it's yeah, weird yeah. because I'm a public speaker but I just hate the thought of like I think I just I'm overly critical and I like oh my hair's out of place yeah. oh why did I pull that face and I just don't anyway I, I had like less than a week to write the script film it by myself and send it back to them and you know it wasn't it wasn't that moment that I wanted and you know obviously again super grateful to get the opportunity but it was you know the sad thing about the pandemic was that it did strip away a lot of the joy of those big moments like yeah. I didn't get a book I didn't get to have a book launch my book came out the week of 3,000 other books which is like unheard of because there was a backlog of oh, of books so the yeah. sales didn't do as well you know there was just a lot yeah. of things like that you've yeah which just kind of like took the buzz out of it it was still an amazing experience yeah. but there were just things that due to the pandemic things changed the way that 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 I may have experienced that that process but so with the TED talk for me it was that once I saw the video I just didn't like it I didn't like the output yeah and rather than posting it online being like oh I'm so proud of myself because I wasn't I sat on it for three months I was like oh I just don't want to share it and then I had a word with myself I was like get a grip share it this is a big yeah, yeah. thing and then when I did I decided to do it in an authentic way which was 
I really don't like my TED talk, but here's why I have to share it. Yeah. And I explained, like, I didn't want to share something that wasn't perfect. I'm a perfectionist. I didn't yeah. think the output represented me. I didn't want to be judged by this. But at the end of the day, I am really proud. And like, here's to everyone trying. Yeah. And the the message I got were just unbelievable. That's like amazing. so many more messages, probably more views on the video because I was more authentic, which is why when we talked about what self-promotion is. I think people can see through people's shit now as yeah, well. And I think people sure. kind of want to see someone like being themselves online. And yeah. Don't have to be this like different character which you turn on off and on like and then as soon as you get off like they're completely different so i think people get like you say you're from weeds i'm northern as well i think people just resonate with who you are and i remember in my final year degree show my tutor from college went down and she said this thing and i thought it was really weird at the time i didn't really get it but she was like oh just like stick to that core of you i didn't really i don't know and she was like just stick to the core of you like people can see that and I, I never really understood it till later on. I was like, oh, like just stick to being yourself and like if you can be honest and open, then hopefully other people can, yeah, be open back. Yeah, I think when it comes to like following your passions as well, it's tough because like you've got to figure out like what's monetizable, how can I make revenue, all of those. But I definitely like, I'm not the person to sit behind a desk like that. That for yeah. me is like being chained to a desk is like hell for me. I just can't do that. That's not my my deal. Variation every day is super important. Yeah. And I think as you go through your career, you definitely start to identify, okay, what like brings me joy? What do I genuinely get a buzz from? A really good question for like figuring out your passion as well is um, what do you naturally and like happily put yourself forward for? Yeah. So don't, so I listened to a really great podcast, the Diary of the CEO interviewed an author and he talked about just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's a strength. And I really love this point. He was like, if it doesn't light you up and make you feel good about yourself, it's a weakness. So a lot of people go, oh, I'm good at maths. I'll do maths at uni. Yeah. But you don't love it. You just do it because you're good at it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's so true is like, we really need to like, take note of what we really enjoy doing, what we, what we actually put ourselves forward for, what we get excited to do, and figure out ways that we can apply work or opportunities around that. You may not always get to do every, I mean, I hate doing yeah. admin, hate doing all my invoice, of course, there's loads of parts that I don't love doing, but actually if it allows me to do I don't know, 50% of what I do love, then that's a better thing. It doesn't feel like take. work as well sometimes yeah. when you are doing something you're, you're passionate about. I mean, I was up the other night, like editing a podcast till late. It's like, I don't have to, I mean, I, yeah, I do have to do it to, if I want to get it out each week, but like, I actually enjoy the whole like process and you don't mind putting in the long hours. And imagine that's the same for you as well. Like, I always say with like side hustles, anything you're doing around your job, you've got to really love it and have a passion and see where it's going. I think one of the important things as well is like knowing what legacy you want to leave. It's a big question yeah. and people get really scared by it. But if you ask yourself, how do I want my grandkids to remember me? Or what do I want people to say about me when I'm not in the room? Then you can start to work backwards and go, okay, well, what am I doing to get to that point? Yeah. Or what am I doing to position myself in that way? And really think about exactly those questions what brings you joy what motivates me what am I excited to work on and try to document that it's really important to document it because when we have low confidence when we feel self-doubt it's so easy to go I'm not good at anything yeah I'm rubbish nothing's good in life so have like maybe so notes easy. on your phone of like regularly recap on yeah. what are the things that you're happy with you know I have a 
like wins tracker where I like write all the things that I'm proud of. I also do something with two of my friends where we voice note our wins before dins on a Friday where we Amazing. voice note two to three like things that. we've done that week that we're proud of yeah. and that we're happy we did. And that could be anything from saying no, setting boundaries, winning a client or yeah. just menial, like getting dressed and doing my makeup before yeah, midday yeah. or whatever, you know, and that regular pattern of keeping a track on what we're doing that we're happy with is really important because otherwise it's so easy to lose yourself. I was gonna ask you about being like more kind of productive. Um, in regards to you, do you kind of like set yourself goals like each year? Cause I did one at the start of this year being like, want to be more consistent with the podcast, for example. Do you kind of set your goals of kind of what you want to achieve? Firstly, how, do, how has that worked for you? I'm interested to know. Quite well. So yeah. I have a whiteboard in my bedroom and I set, 10 kind of like goals so one of them was like a make entertain newsletter one was like be more consistent with a podcast weekly one was like do the make and website um and i've got through half the list at the minute Great. um so yeah it's kind of worked and it's kind of kept me track i also use a thing called notion i don't know if you heard yeah. of that and that's like a website for my notes so that keeps me on track with like the podcast and guests and who i need to reach out to so that's been really helpful as well i, I always think it's just down to the individual so I'm not really a five-year, 10-year plan. Yeah. I'm not even really a year-long plan, to be honest. I think when you run your own business, you have to be quite agile. And I think it's great to have dreams. I'm more of a think of dreams. I, I think of loads of big ideas. Yeah. Got loads of them that I'm ready to do tomorrow. Just make sure you write them But down, yeah. I also, you know, I had someone speak to me recently. They were like, why haven't you, you know, turned your business into like a big thing and built a team and all of that? And I was like, firstly, I, I actually don't want that. I've been a manager. I've done that stuff. I'm not actually bothered about that space. And... Everything's about time, right? So we feel so pressured to achieve everything so quickly. I totally get that. But also, I'm probably going to be running my business for a good 10, 20 years, yeah, right? So. I don't have to do everything this year. Like, I think this is something that I've learned for sure. I'm talking from a very calm yeah, that, yeah. but definitely something I've learned that I have loads of ambitions for my business. I have loads of ambitions for myself, but hopefully I'll make it to 70, 80 yeah. and I'll do those things for as long as I want. But I'm not... I don't feel as pressured to do things so quickly anymore. And look, I have had really like quick success with, with Footbeing Humble. And I recently started a second business called This Might Help, which helps to support people who are supporting others through mental health. Um, and that has been a completely different journey. It hasn't blown up the internet. I've only got yeah. 600 followers. It's been a very slow burner, which I, of course I've had a bit of doubt around as well. But, you know, again, my friends were really great to be like, Steph, you're gonna work on this forever. This is this is something that is not going anywhere. Like just just take it at your own pace. Yeah. And actually, by having that mindset, more natural, organic conversations are happening because I'm not pushing it. I'm not forcing it. I'm just speaking to people and then telling them about it without expecting some sort of ten million pound deal. You know, yeah, yeah. not that I've ever had that, but it is about just being kind and patient with yourself. It's great to have big dreams, but think about it strategically as well, right? So if I'd have launched a public speaking course during lockdown, who would have come on it? There's nowhere to yeah. public speak. If I launched it now when events are coming back up. So you can have loads of ideas for your businesses, yeah. your podcast, your career, whatever it is, but do think about when is the best time to sort of strike with that idea. Yeah. And I think I hit the right moment with the launch for Being Humble and I've continued to be very intentional as to when I release products, courses, when I offer out different services yeah. and knowing the best time to allow yourself to rest as well is super important. It is because I, I think my mom always says like, oh, you're burning the candle and on both sides kind of thing. So it is. I think there's a pressure now with like, you see it on like LinkedIn, like Gil Boss and everyone thinking that like 
you need to be your own entrepreneur or kind of work your own hours. So I feel like there's that kind of pressure sometimes. Like loads of women don't want to be a girl boss. Like loads of women don't want that. Like that, and that's totally fine. Like I think we need to let go of that. Remember you saying earlier, like you wasn't planning it. Like it just kind of you just got the flow, and then it kind of happened. No, for me it was like it's now or never. Throw myself into it. Worst case scenario, go back to the ad industry. I think that's what's important is that like you already have a set of skills. So whatever skills you've got, you know, like embrace embrace the opportunities that come to you when they come to you, right? But yep. don't feel the pressure. Loads of people said to me about when are you going to quit? And I was like, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't confident that I yeah. was ready to launch that. And I'm glad I took my time because when I did go full-time with Foot Being Humble, I was way more confident in what I could achieve yeah. and I knew, knew the direction I was going to go in. But I think really it's just always about... I'm a big believer of saying yes to opportunities. I say a lot, a yes to a lot of things, yeah. not knowing I can do them. Yeah. I'm figuring out along the way. And I think that's been a big the best way, yeah. marker of, of the reason I've I've got to where I have with the foot being humble. Amazing. Um, I just want to end on it. Thank you so much for coming on the Making Same podcast today. If anyone wants to kind of follow Fuck Being Humble, um, can you share the website and Instagram? Yep, so it's just fuckbeinghumble.com. It's very easy to find. Nobody wanted that domain. My email is steph at fuckbeinghumble.com and you can follow at fbeinghumble on socials as well. But yeah, thanks again for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's great to kind of finally sit down with you and kind of find out more about Fuck Being Humble and the story behind it. So yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me.